Today, we are beginning a new sermon series anchored in these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 23. This is verse 11 and 12. Jesus said, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Servant hearts. That's what we're going to talk about this month at at Clay Church. We're going to examine God's Word and ask, what does it mean to have a servant heart like Jesus? What What is in the heart of a servant? For the last several weeks at Clay Church, some of you are aware, we have been examining the prophets, and we've heard this invitation of the prophets to awaken to What's happening among God's people to to see with the heart of God, to to see the pain and the hurt and the the brokenness in our world, and like God's heart breaks, to let our hearts break. This month, in some ways, is is a response to being awake and seeing what's going on and asking how... How, God, can we step in and serve? How can we step in and and make a difference? We're going to explore what what does the Bible say about responding, about doing something, about following Jesus into the brokenness, into the hurt of the world, into the margins where people are lonely, and serving. Serving. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul says this, Philippians 2, verse 7, says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This month, we're just going to ask, like as followers of Jesus, what, what might it look like to shape our lives to look like the servant that Jesus was to all of us. Let's pray. Holy God, as we search the scriptures this month around servanthood, just help us to to see and to hear your word for us. Help us to grow as followers of Jesus and transform us, God to be servant-hearted people who transform the world by sharing your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a question just for us to think about this morning, for you to think about this morning. What gives life meaning? Let's just think about that for a moment. Like what, think of it as a personal way. What gives your life meaning? I think it's a a question we ask sometimes. Sometimes I think we ask with intention. Sometimes I think when we're when we're struggling, we we ask that we may not even know we're asking the question, but we're we're searching for meaning. There's a, a book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. And the tradition says, rabbinic tradition says that it was written by King Solomon. And it was King Solomon sharing the wisdom he had gained as he was searching for meaning. In life. In chapter four of that book, we find something I think is really fascinating. Maybe something that that some of us can relate to in that question of meaning. 
the author says, it says, I see in the world, like I have, I've traveled the world, I have seen how people are oppressed and hurting so that others can gain power and wealth. I see their tears and pain, and I see this power of the oppressors that is not letting up. And I, I see this, and I think maybe, maybe it would be better for them if they weren't even born. And then he goes on and he says, I see people and they're toiling and toiling, driven by envy of what others have and what others have achieved to try and, to try and find meaning in the, in the same, to achieve and, and have this drive for more and more. And, and this too, it's, it's just meaningless. It says it's, it's, it's like just chasing after the wind. And then the author says this, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Did I mention Ecclesiastes is really depressing? I want to make sure we know that. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? And then the author says, this too is meaningless, a, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. As I said, most of Ecclesiastes is pretty depressing. King Solomon, the author, he searches and searches and finds so much is meaningless. But every once in a while, there's a glimpse. There's a glimpse of something that does give life meaning. And we see one of these glimpses here. Now, sometimes this passage has been translated about marriage or about finding a partner, but in the context of the whole, there's something, there's something bigger here. The author is like, I, I've searched all these places. I've searched and trying to accumulate. I haven't found meaning in any of those places, but in relationship, there is meaning. In community, there is meaning. Right? God created us for relationship God created us for community, not to be alone. Picking each other up, making sure no one is left out there cold on their own. Right? God's truth, we are stronger together. Not lone rangers, not taking it on ourselves, we are stronger together. Now, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm going to guess you, like me, you've heard this message before, right? 
we know this, we've heard it before, that we're stronger together. We, if, if we do things together, the, the more of us, some of you maybe have even seen the, the exercise, I think I've done it here, where you bring up a bunch of people and they put their pinkies under a table and if they all lift together, right, they can lift the table. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful image of that. I, I think often we, we think we get it, but, but I think the question that we might ask as we think about what it means to have a servant heart isn't whether we hear it and understand it, but are we living it? Actually, I think often that's a great question to ask of Scripture. Not just do we hear and understand, but is it, are we letting Jesus transform our lives by these words? Do we embody what it means to be stronger together? Does it permeate our lives? Does it, does it impact how we see the world? Because when we take this truth, this, this biblical idea that we're stronger together, that we're created for community, that, that community matters, God can use that to invite us to see the world differently. Take this as an example. Like, what comes to mind when you think of like gang-on-gang gang violence in our community, when you see that a, a young person has killed another, another young person? What comes to mind? If we think that we're, that we're made for community, that we're stronger together, I wonder if, if maybe we, we could pause and just think, that young person who turns to gang violence, like, yeah, there, there is evil in the, in the world, and, and that's, that's part of it. But this isn't just about the presence of evil. This is about a, about a young person growing up in the, in the brokenness of a community, in the brokenness of a, of a world who is looking for belonging, looking for a, a community where, where he knew that somebody would pick him up if he fell. And the only place that he, that he, that he heard that message that he thought that somebody would, would have his back was in a gang. Could it be that seeing with this truth of being created for belonging can invite us to see the world differently? Take a, take a, a, a criminal, somebody who steals. That person who turns to crime, like she didn't start out at age two and think, I want to be a convicted felon when I grow up. Right, but maybe she grew up in a, in a place, in a family where where nobody cared for her and she was taught, you just got to fend for yourself. The only way to make it is to, is to fend for yourself. Maybe worse, the community said, you're on your own. And when jobs didn't materialize and skills didn't come because nobody, nobody taught her, she turned to crime. There is this story in the Bible, Nehemiah. How many of you know the story of Nehemiah in the Bible? All right, I think we have more in second service than first service. That, that's good. And uh, if you didn't have your hand up, you're in luck. We're going to talk a little bit about Nehemiah's story today. Nehemiah uh, was in exile. Uh, Nehemiah had been taken from Jerusalem, which was essentially Nehemiah's hometown. When it was sacked and raided, Nehemiah was uh, taken in exile. And he served as the cupbearer to the king. Now, 
the cupbearer to the king was, wasn't a, a great position, but it was in the king's court, right? You got all the comfort of the king's court. Now, that there was the downside that you had to taste everything and uh, that the king was going to drink to make sure it wasn't poisoned. But, you know, every job has its perks and its downsides. Nehemiah was living in some, some you know, some extent of comfort, when he heard a report from people who were living in Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem had been sacked. The temple had been destroyed. The walls of the city had been knocked down. But there were people left there. And the people who were left there, they reported they were being ransacked again and again by the invaders in the, in the area, rival groups. There was no sense there of security or comfort. They were barely eking out a living. Nehemiah hears this report. And it would have been really easy for Nehemiah to say, you know what, that's, that's you know, their problem. I'm here in, in the comfort of the king. It's not perfect, but, but there's no reason for me to, to think that that's my problem. That's their problem. But Nehemiah doesn't do that. Instead, instead, he says, I need to do something. Because these people, they are my people. This community is my community. They are God's children, just as I am God's child. Nehemiah can't stand by while the community suffers, while others suffer. This theme, it gets repeated again and again through the Bible. God's servants, right? They see people suffering, and they can't go on without addressing the suffering. Suffering. Right? At, at the heart of our Christian faith, right, we see Jesus. God sent his son into the world. And what does his son do? He, he brings together a community to show God's way. And how does he send them out? He sends them out two by two because we're stronger together. They'll be stronger together, witnessing together. And then together they reach out to those who are hurting and those who are sick, those who have been pushed to the margins of society. Why? Because God's community is designed to include and embrace everyone. He teaches them to be servants because God wants all of God's children to belong Paul will then go on to speak of the church in Corinthians. Those who've come to follow since Jesus' death and resurrection. And he says that you, the church, you're the body of Christ. When one of you suffers, all suffer. Why? Because community matters. Because when some of us are hurting or when some out in our community are hurting, our whole society, our whole community is weaker. The Bible, when we see through this lens of being stronger together, the Bible invites us to see the challenges of others not as their problem, but as our problem. I say that again, that the Bible invites us again and again through these stories of, of God's faithful servants to see 
the world not as his problem and her problem, but as our problem. Right? What, if, what if we saw the, the struggle with opioids in our community not as, not as their problem, but as our problem? What if we claimed the problems that are, that are in our schools, kids unable to, to read, the, the South Bend schools struggling? What if we didn't say, well, that's the school's problem, that's the, the kids' problem, that's those families' problem? What if, what if we began to say, this is our problem as people of this community? Because they're God's children, too. Is homelessness and poverty just their problem? What, what would happen if we begin to think that homelessness and poverty, people hurting, is also our problem? Uh, are racism and sexism and, and all, of those, all of those things that oppress and suppress people in our world and our community, is that their problem? those that do it, those that suffer from it, or, or in God's eyes, could it maybe be our problem? You see, when we, when we claim that we are all God's children and that we all hurt when others hurt, then we're, we're equipped, we're empowered to step in to offer a helping hand to face those struggles and problems together so that nobody feels alone and all feel embraced. And, and we can let Jesus then be the, the center strand, three chords. Jesus becomes the centered strand as we wrap our lives around Jesus and then around others and create community bonds that can hold together through the struggles and the, and the hurt. God's grace strengthening us as community. When others fall, we, the church, can, can pick them up, make our community a better place. When others are left out in the cold, we, the body of Christ, can take them in and, and provide warmth, creating a tighter and better community to live in. When others feel alone, we come alongside them and we can share the love and grace of Jesus that we know to create these bonds that cannot be easily broken. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have, have uh, done a half day or a day of service at some point in your life? Serve somebody else. How many of you, uh, when you, when you did that, that service at some point, you came home and you just felt like excited? Like there was just something. How many of you maybe have even said this? How many of you have said, I think that I might have done more good for others, or I might have gotten more good out of this day than I gave to others by serving? Right? Some people have had that experience. Well, first, you should know that almost all the time, that's actually not true. The people that we are serving, they are incredibly blessed by that service. But the second thing, the second thing we should know, what happens when we serve is we find meaning and purpose. Right? Because we are doing God's work in community. We're creating these bonds around the love of Jesus. It makes us feel good because we are, we are one in the body of Christ, lifting up the entire community, we're part of something that God is doing. That's why we come home and feel exuberant and excited and feel like we've gotten more out of it. 
Because we've been part of God making us stronger together. We go back to Nehemiah's story. Remember, Nehemiah is in, in, uh, uh, in Babylon. He's in exile. He sees the people hurting. It would have been easier to stay. But instead, instead he goes to the king. He's cupbearer to the king. So he has an audience. But as a servant, you don't just like come up to the king and be like, hey, can I leave for a while? Because uh, there's people out there hurting and I want to go do that instead of being your servant. Like, it's a dangerous ask, but Nehemiah does it. And so he goes to the king and he says, my people are hurting, could I go? And the king says yes. And then, like, Nehemiah's bold. Nehemiah says, well, they're hurting and it'll be better for the whole region if there's some stability there. Would you send me with some, some words from you, some, a promise from you, and, and a promise for resources so that we can rebuild? And the king says, yes. And so Nehemiah goes back to help. And he pulls the people together. And the people who've been kind of scattered, he, he, he has them, some of them guard while others build. He has them watch out for each other. Make sure they have each other's backs. And then he calls them all together as the walls are rebuilt. And he invites them to unite around God's word. Around God's teaching. And the people find this incredible strength and joy and they rebuild the walls. They do this immense task that nobody around them thought they could do with all the opposition, with just a remnant of people. They're able to do more than they can imagine. Why? Despite the opposition, despite the challenges, how do they do it? They do it by lifting each other up. They do it by committing to each other, to have each other's backs, to give their lives for each other. They do it by putting aside differences and caring for each other and focusing on the mission, which is the community. They accomplish what others tell them will be impossible. There are a lot of obstacles in our world today. There are a lot of voices in our world today that are trying to pull us apart inside and outside of the church. It is really easy, I think, in our world today to give in to the partisan arguments. It is really easy to blame others. It is really easy to get cynical. It is really easy to leave community when things get difficult. It is easy to think that this unity we're talking about today in Christ, it's, it's not really possible today. But the Bible the Bible, as we read and hear it today, it says something else. It says there is a way. It says God has an invitation. And the key to unity, it might not be all of us believing the exact same thing. It might be all of us focusing on building the kind of community that God wants together. Maybe the key to unity that we are seeking in our world today is serving together toward the kind of community of love and grace, the embrace of Jesus that God shows us. In John 
chapter 17, we read about Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night uh, as he's about to be arrested and, and then crucified. And he shares this prayer in the garden. And the last part of that prayer says this, my prayer is not for them alone. Them meaning the disciples. Jesus says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Do you know who that is? That's us. Jesus is praying for all those who will become part of the body of Christ, part of the church, because of the message that will be first be shared by the disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus' last prayer was for us to be one, was for our unity. Jesus' last prayer was that we might be so focused on the love and grace of God and sharing that love, we might be so focused on serving together that all would come to know that kind of love and embrace in their lives. God encourages unity because the church is stronger together. God encourages unity because the body of Christ, the church, we are stronger together. The church is strongest when we're serving together, when we are lifting each other up, when we're lifting others up, when we're making sure that nobody is left out in the cold, building the kind of community where everybody is embraced. The kids in this picture with their hands dirty, this was a, a day of working um, for our families in the Unity Garden. And, uh, you know, right, a bunch of kids from, like, kindergarten through fifth grade would you imagine that they're going to get the whole unity guard planted and watered and, and, uh, and um, little free libraries built all in the same day? Like, I don't know if you've worked with that age group, but they're all over the place. But when you brought those kids together with some caring and loving adults, you should have seen them. There were kids like holding watering things that parents said that my child has no patience. How is that happening? They're just standing there letting water slowly drip on seeds. These kids came together and they they planted what you can see now, the garden that's now in full bloom. They built two, a little free library and a little free food pantry out there that continues to serve our community because we're stronger together. Would you just say that with me? We are stronger together. We are stronger together. Okay, so that was all right. But I, you didn't really sound like you meant it. Let's try again. We are stronger together. Uh, now that was better, but, but Jesus' prayer is that we will so own that that people will, will hear us 
see us share it. So let's try it one more time. Like we really mean it. We are stronger together. There you go. In a world that continues to amplify division and disunity, right? We're invited to go forth as God's people, as God's church, and declare as servants of Jesus that we are stronger together. What others see as their problem, right? We're invited to claim as our problem and meet the needs of our community with love and care and the declaration that in the grace of Jesus, we are stronger together. When we see those who are hurting and lonely and outcasts and left out in the cold of our community and our world, we're invited to meet those needs and testify to the world that we are stronger together. When we feel the devil pulling us apart, when we begin to put anything in the way of the relationships centered in the love of Jesus, may we hold on to each other May we put Jesus as the center strand in those relationships and know that in our faith, we are stronger together. Amen? Amen. Amen.